are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Jay. Jay is a writer. We'll be right back with Jay. But first, let's talk about Unscheduled. So I am, as you all know, not employed right now, which is lovely and one of the most freeing experiences I've had in a really long time because I have spent so much of my life rigorously following deadlines, schedules of my own, things that I had to get done, following through, doing all these things. And especially as a professor, you have really rigid deadlines because in 16 weeks, you have to impart your information to them. And there's a schedule to how that happens. And you pass it out on the first day of class and then you follow it. So I took a month to not be scheduled. Just do whatever I want to every day when I woke up. And I don't trust myself very much, especially in regards to depression, that if I don't have a list and a schedule and a routine that I just won't get out of bed at all. And instead I said, why don't we consider this a staycation and I will just relax. And what ended up doing that was I was really productive, not with what I usually get done. I still got done regular things like, you know, calling back the hospital about my bills and things like that. But I also have made an incredible number of bird paintings. And I didn't know that that's where my energies were going to go. I have a friend who's reading a book right now called The Unfolding Now. And I'm really interested in practicing just letting things happen naturally as opposed to putting myself on a plan and a schedule. They talk about being in the flow and that when you're in the flow of your life, things come into place and happen naturally and, and, and possibilities open up for you and you end up doing incredible things. I have done that many times in my life, but I also have always had a portion of my life that's on lists and schedules and to-do lists and get done and accomplishments. And I am naturally organized and goal-oriented. That's not a struggle for me. I do not want to do that right now. My fear is that I will get into bed and never get out again and that I will sink into depression and not do anything. And so instead, I'm trusting that I'm actually really mentally healthy right now, which I am, and that if I allow myself to do whatever I want, that I will actually continue to be productive. So I watched Netflix for about six hours the other day, (laughs) and I thought, no, just keep going with this, and don't worry about it. Don't judge it, because judging myself is a big part of that whole process. So I said, don't judge yourself, and do it. And I did. I was completely self-indulgent. I think I ate chocolate that day and stayed in bed. It was like a bonbon day. And the next day I woke up with an incredible amount of energy and went out and got a whole bunch of things done. So what is wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with just trusting that you will actually get things done in your life without any pressure, without any force, and without a damn list? So... On that note, I looked up a whole bunch of articles, and almost every article refuted that and said that you should put yourself on a schedule if you're depressed, (laughs) because it helps. It helps. This one I liked. It's from Everyday Health, and the article is titled, Brit's Story, A Morning Routine to Manage Depression. 
And the reason I like this article is that I do understand a morning routine. So the thing I've been doing every day, I bike to Epic and get a cup of coffee and draw a bird. And that starts my day so that I do get out of bed. Except (coughs) if I have a day where I don't get out of bed, allow that to be. So the article says, the good thing about a morning routine is that you make sure you take care of yourself before the day gets ahead of you, Rents says. Anyone can benefit from a morning routine, whether you have depression or not, says Renee Garfinkel, PhD, a psychologist in private practice in Washington, D.C. But when you're living with depression, establishing a morning routine may need to be more of a conscious choice. Depression can make you wonder why you should bother getting out of bed at all. Having a routine that feels automatic can give you less time to dwell in the mindset. Rent's routine helps her get everything in place so she can sit down and work for three hours in the morning, which helps keep her on track. Garfinkel agrees that taking your morning routine one step at a time makes it easier for you to move forward. Another good idea is to do what you can the night before, such as setting out your clothes or putting your toothbrush and towel in the sink. You've set an intention at night that this is what you're going to do in the morning, she says. The reason I like this is that it's not a list. It's not rigid. It's just have an intention of getting out of bed in the morning. I've been doing that where I put my gym clothes out so that I go to the gym. That is really helpful. I see the gym clothes and I'm like, right, you're going to go to the gym today. It isn't about accomplishment. It's about having something that is comforting in the morning, something that gets you going, a little routine that feels nice. And for me, that's getting my coffee and drawing my birds. That makes me feel that being without a list and a rigid routine and a schedule up the wazoo is probably really healthy right now. And that having a little routine is enough. So on that note, I hope you all have something. Maybe you can lay out your clothing at night and that's enough to get you out of bed and that you don't get hard on yourself when you don't do those things. So I hope you'll have a wonderful week. Today we have with us in the studio, Jay. Jay is a writer. Hello, Jay. Welcome to the Depression Session. Hello. You've talked about schedules. I can kind of go either way on that. As a creative person, as a writer, I have projects that sometimes take years to come to fruition. And so having a schedule to write a script that's going to take 18 months or even five years to finish, or a book project that could take two, three, four years or six months, those things are hard for me to schedule. As a creative, having made most of my money through my life from creative projects, I've sort of come to trust the flashes of brilliance that make it happen. And so having a schedule makes it hard. I've tried. You read about people like Hemingway or people who just get up and write X number of hours a day. You know, I can't do that. There's no way. It just doesn't happen that way. If it doesn't happen today, it will happen eventually. And I have projects right now that have been shelved for a year or more because nothing happens, but eventually it happens. I don't make the bulk of my money from that. I have other jobs that keep me going that are related to that and also creative, but they're more scheduled with deadlines. So I can kind of see both sides of the scheduling. Well, it's like the difference between schedule and routine. I'm trying to avoid having a schedule and a list. Yeah. And just fall into a good, healthy routine. And I think that's the the bigger idea that was blowing my mind lately. I'm like, right, I will still get, I will still pay my bills. I will. Yeah. Trust myself like this much. Well, you know, like the working out is something that it sort of requires routine. If you're going to stay fit, you can't work out 
once a week isn't enough. It has to be at least twice a week to maintain wherever you are. And if you want to improve your fitness, you should be working out three or four times a week. So I don't have a schedule for working out, but I happen to like fitness. So I can do any one of a number of things to get a workout. Go for a brisk hike with my dogs, bike ride, go to the gym. I have equipment at home I can work out. So it's kind of a routine, but not a schedule. I don't go to the gym at 8 o'clock. I've done that. I mean, I've spent years going to the gym six days a week at the same time, 5 o'clock in the morning every single day. I do have a part-time job that requires me to be on the job at somewhere other than home. Most of my work is at home, but I do have to be somewhere every day at 3.30. So that sort of keeps me scheduled and it it keeps me uh, getting out of the house. Right. I've never been so depressed. I didn't get out of bed very much. I isolate. I just stick to myself, become a loner. (laughs) But I don't know, usually stay in the house too much. That's the same for me. There have been times when it really was being in bed for too many days. But usually I have something that makes me have to get out of bed anyway. Yeah. And I rarely have ever allowed myself to cancel anything, (laughs) which is good. That's healthy for someone like me. So on that note, I'd love to hear your story of depression. Well, I came here to mostly talk about a personal experiment. Let's talk about my, my general depression story. Yeah. It goes back decades. Uh, like I said, I haven't really spent too many times where I couldn't get out of bed. I've never been suicidal, never realistically suicidal. I've had the kind of passing suicidal ideation that there's no plan in place. And that's kind of the key to suicidal ideation. Once you get a plan, that's a big deal. It's always been just sort of a, a fantasy as a sort of a, back, a vague backup plan. But it has affected a lot of different areas of my life. Like I talk about projects that take five years. Well, they could probably be done in two years or, you know, a year and a half. And they get stretched out sometimes because of depression. And I've tried every imaginable way to deal with it. You know, exercise I found helpful. So that's one of the reasons I keep that up. Antidepressants, numerous antidepressants, therapy, cognitive behavior therapy helps me. And that goes back to lists. You talk about making lists, making emotional lists of how you felt at a specific time helps me. So I do that sometimes as one tiny little piece of cognitive behavior therapy that I found helped me. I've dealt with it in a million different ways. I've been married twice. I wouldn't attribute my divorces to depression. I've had a successful career, but I will add there's a but. Frankly, I'm sure I could have been much more successful, but the energy and the focus to do that just isn't in me. And that could be partly due to depression, but it's also just partly not, not my style. I'm not a type A conqueror type career person. Like I said, I I like the flashes of brilliance. And being someone who's always relied on that has made routines less important to me. But I've always had a bit of one. Having tried numerous different ways to deal with depression, drugs never helped me enough to be worth it. You know, therapy helps, but it's expensive. I don't have insurance. I've tried cannabis 
which helps symptoms of depression, but I don't think it helps with the, like, if you need to go do something today and get it done, smoking a few hits of weed can give you the energy to just do it. And that's great. So I tried all those things, but I was looking for something that would be a little more all-encompassing. And I started reading more and more about psilocybin. And it seems from the stuff I read, and everything I'm saying is purely anecdotal. You know, this is my own opinions about things. And, you know, you can believe whatever you want on the internet. I happen to be very good at, it's part of my job to discern truth. So I've teased out research that seems credible that shows that psilocybin mushrooms can have long-lasting effect on depression and moods. People who try psilocybin one time report months later still having elevated moods versus people who didn't take psilocybin. You know, there's not a lot of research about that out there, but it's there. And having tried psilocybin recreationally in the past, uh, I thought it might help with depression. But here's how I got to that point. A few years ago, uh, about, I guess it was 2009, I was working on a script that people in Hollywood were expecting from me. So I had sort of piecemealed it a little bit here and there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, my pot dealer had a bunch of mushrooms. And I got that just for fun because I hadn't done mushrooms in 20 plus years. And so I thought, yeah, I'm going to get some mushrooms. They're relatively harmless uh, compared to a lot of other recreational drugs. And so I thought, why not? I'm going to get some mushrooms. So I bought an ounce of mushrooms, which is a huge amount of mushrooms. That's like an eighth of a gram. An eighth of an ounce is enough for two people to have a decent evening of elevated fun. So it was a lot of mushrooms. And... I didn't even think at that point I was going to be doing it for depression. It was just for fun. So I doled them out with a girl I was dating. We tried several times. We went and went, watched a meteor shower, went to a couple of concerts. And, you know, then no more mushrooms. And they were gone. And that was it. And a few months later, over that course of that summer and fall, the next couple of months, I realized I was writing more. I finished my screenplay. I started another project, another writing project, years-long project, and made progress on that. And then a few years went by, and those projects sort of faded, didn't get done. Well, I mean, the, the screenplay got done. A draft got done very quickly. And then the second draft took more time. And now I'm at the point where I'm just trying to sell it. I need to go back to L.A., and I wanted to sort of stimulate things. And I was reading about psilocybin. So I got some more mushrooms. And this time I tried microdosing. And I tried eating about a gram of mushrooms every three or four days, twice a week. And then every couple weeks eating three or four grams, which is, seems like a lot, but these mushrooms didn't seem very strong. I never hallucinated. I never felt like I couldn't be somewhere. It was never a visual distortions. It was all just a very positive, uplifting experience. To me, I've always felt mushrooms impact me kind of the same way pop does, but it's like a hundred times stronger. 
So it, it isn't like LSD, which I've tried, which is much more profound. Mushrooms to me just make me feel good. Everything's fun. And it's just very positive and uplifting. So I did this. I had another ounce of mushrooms. And over the course of a month or so, I ate all of it. And this was three, four months ago, I think. It has had the same effect that it did last time I did this a few years ago. My productivity stepped up. My moods are just generally better. I'm having more fun and it seems to be a lasting impact. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm going to say my anecdotal experience, my, my own personal experience was that it definitely made a dramatic improvement in my mood and it's been going on for three months, 90 days. So I'm kind of impressed. You know, I want to read more about it. I haven't researched it. We had talked about this some time back, and I said I wanted to try it just to see. And I didn't make a schedule and say I'm going to eat one gram of mushrooms every three days. It wasn't like that. It was just uh, that most of the mushrooms that I went through, I ate barely enough to feel that it was there. You know, it wasn't enough to get high at all. And I would say it was a huge success. Wow. Jay, thanks so much for your story. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Yeah. There's, a, there's several things to pull out of there. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was, do you think this is something that could will be researched and become legal the way marijuana yeah. has? Yes. I mean, if you, if you uh, look online and, and look at who's beginning to seriously consider it, uh, th there's already talk of legalization efforts in California, California, Oregon, Washington for mushrooms. And my own experience, I mean, I've eaten some pretty massive amounts of mushrooms, like five grams, and there's no hangover. I, I can't speak for anyone else, but I just know that in a very general way, I can feel that it has had a very... This past year, I got this part-time job that gives me steady income, and it's a schedule. So it's very easy to just do that. And so the reason that I wanted to try the mushroom experiment was because I felt like I was getting into such a routine that it was just becoming a depressing rut. Get up in the morning, take the dogs to the dog park, come home, sit around, eat lunch, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed. It wasn't laying in bed all day, but it was like the routine equivalent of that. And so the mushrooms, I wanted to see if it could help me sort of break out of that a little bit. And like it did. of doing the minimum. Yeah, of doing the minimum and getting, getting just stuck in the routine of having a daily job. I have these moments when I wonder what people's lives are like who have a more, I guess, normal life than most of my friends and me where their their life is very routine and it involves coming home and watching television. And I try to imagine if there's comfort in that or if it's a kind of palliative. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think that routine masks all kinds of problems for people. They just don't address it because they get so caught up in being a parent. 
you know, get up at the crack of dawn, rush off to work, work all day, come home, do things with the family. There's no time to really think about your own mental health. And people just yeah. get into that routine. Until something breaks. Until something starts to fall apart somewhere. And then they're like, oh, what's wrong? And, you know, in my case, it would probably be all this routine is killing me. That's what's wrong. Because <laughs> I've done it. I mean, you know, yeah. I had a career. Yeah. I just want a better one now where I can just go to Hollywood twice a year and that's my job. (laughs) On that note, you know, your creative process in general, being someone who does creative projects, I relate to that a lot because being an artist, like the idea of forcing yourself to do stuff creatively, but how do you get things done? And it's almost like the project itself has to have its own force and then depression needs to get out of the way. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, having people waiting for a project is like having an appointment. But then being a writer, you're like, those people, I'm a writer. Don't tell me when to write, you know. And that's a notorious tradition, if you will, in in my field. And I'm a bad, bad example of that. I've burned so many editors in my time, but then at the same time, Every single editor I've burned has seen the benefit of my flashes of brilliance, so they still hire me. (laughs) (laughs) You got to get away with it. Yeah, I I don't, you know, I don't do it on purpose. I'm not trying to adopt some kind of writer persona, but it just it's how I work, and it's I'm not going to lie. There is some risk in hiring me. But it pays off often enough that I still get my rent paid and I still, people still call me. So, yeah, I'm in a spot of like, I have some savings and I have a whole bunch of projects I want to do, but I also want to have them surface. That's how I feel like this. They surface and take over my life. Like my birds are taking over my Mm -hmm. life right now. And that's a good thing artistically. If you right now told me, Laura, that other project you were thinking about, you need to do that, then it would be like work and it wouldn't be those flashes of brilliance. No, yeah. not, I don't know if I have flashes of brilliance, but I have that's, that's a just a That's just a metaphor. It isn't, I don't know if it's brilliance. I mean, there might be a, a tiny bit of brilliance a couple of times, but it's just that those bursts keep me going rather than a steady stream of things. You mentioned things surfacing. I don't feel like I create things. I feel like they just, I'm a conduit. I take in everything around me and somehow inside me, it turns into something and comes out. Like you said, it surfaces. I don't feel like I'm making that. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm generating the things that I do. I feel like they're just sort of happening inside of me and so that's why it's hard to put on a schedule, I think. Maybe maybe I need to take more ownership of my, my brilliance. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like people want to put a price tag on your creativity as to whether or not it's successful as well, which is difficult because I get onto something and get really excited about it and do a lot of it. I create when I'm when I'm productive, I'm extremely productive. And then sometimes that goes out in the world and people buy it, but the motivation doesn't start with the buying. Well, for me, there's a little bit of both. The script that I wrote wasn't even my idea. It was a friend who lives in Hollywood, and he was like, we should write this script. 
And I was like, well, okay, what's it about? And he gave me like a one sentence synopsis. And I was like, okay, then what? And he's like, no, that, that's all I got. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I guess I will write the script and you know, you can be the technical consultant. But anyway, what happened then was the idea started to gel. And once I had an overall structure for the story, the details of it just fell into place. So to go back to why I'm talking about this not being my idea, my main goal with this thing is just to sell it. It's a hun almost 100% financial. If I can get a decent price, I can get a couple years income out of this script. So the goal now is to go back and rewrite it for Netflix and pitch it as a series for Netflix. Oh. And, or if not, uh, one solid screenplay. Cool. And uh, Casey Affleck weirdly wound up reading my script and because I have my friend who knows him. And he said it's a good story, but he didn't want to buy it. Mm -hmm. So money has loosened up in, in Hollywood. I don't know if Netflix is in California. Where do they make their movies? They just no bought idea. a studio. They need scripts. So. They make good stuff, too. I know. I, I was watching Maniac the other day, and I really... Have you seen that? I have. It's two people with mental illness, and this it's very... It's being John Malkovich styled a little bit, okay. where it's like weird stuff is happening, nothing, and it makes sense, but it's really interesting psychologically and kind of beautiful. Yeah. Because it's on mental health, too, of course, that interests me. Yeah. I think that interests everybody right now. I feel like it's a really timely moment to talk, just talk about mental health. You know, I'm, I am working up to not doing this show anymore and handing it over to somebody else. I probably will still do the podcast and still do interviews and the depression session will be its own separate thing. But as far as having it on the radio every week, I, along with everything in my life that I'm letting go of, don't want to be on that schedule anymore. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's a funny sort of Letting go, but also looking back on three years, I've produced a show for three years and I like it. I, I like all my guests and all of the things they talk about. I just find yeah. it interesting. Well, maybe it's shirt therapy. What are you going to do when you're done? I don't know. You better have a list. <laughs> have a list. Yeah, Make a, a list. schedule. Yes. <laughs> it's part of my unscheduling of myself. Yeah. Well, I've never had a problem with that. I hate schedules and, um, you know. Because then you you were talking about your process recently that you know that it would make sense to fan it out over this time frame, but often it happens at the end of, yeah, you know, right true. when you need to do it, that's yes. when you're finishing it. And I do have a part-time job that requires daily Monday through Friday presence. And uh, so it's nice. But yeah. my boss is... 100 miles away, so I can do that job however I want to, and I can have my own dress code. <laughs> it's like, weirdly, one of my favorite jobs was driving a truck delivering auto parts, because most of the job was just loading up the truck and then driving around town with the radio on. I had a friend who loved doing that. Yeah. And, and people don't think that when they think of a good job, I think they think of importance and paycheck. Yeah. I have a much easier time thinking of lifestyle. Exactly. Lifestyle is most important in whatever job I do. And that's where the conflict comes in with being a full-time professor. I, I don't want to do that. That's not a good lifestyle for me. And for some people, it's great, but not for me. Well, I, I decided years ago that I was going to try to find full-time income with part-time hours. 
And it's feasible for me because if I get paid for my skills, I get paid very well. So I did find that. So I have a job now where I could work three hours a day and I make 30 plus thousand dollars a year from that. That's so great. it's perfect. I know there was, the, I think it's the Japanese parable or something of some master making something in five minutes and people saying, oh, well, it only took him five minutes. Why is it worth so much money? And I said, it didn't take five minutes. It took 48 years in five minutes. Yeah. And sometimes you're just paying for the idea that nobody else was going to have. And that's, I think, scripts are like that. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I think it's great for Netflix. Look for it. Yeah. Next year. <laughs> You'll have to come back on. <laughs> so anyway, Jay, thanks for, so much for being on the Depression Session. Well, no problem. Thanks for having me. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septahelix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.